Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. Check out this episode. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a five-star review. Today's episode is with Katherine Taylor of Taylor Legal. She calls herself the lawyer for business owners. And I got to tell you, she totally understands the concept of building your 1,000 raving fans. If you're trying to grow your business, if you're trying to even start a business, you know how important it is to really care about your clients and to find customers who love your brand. Catherine is so good at nurturing relationships and building her relationships with her clients. You're going to love this episode. It's packed with so many insights from Catherine, not just from a law perspective, but more importantly, how do you grow a business that people love? Stay tuned. Here comes your good advice. Hey, thanks for checking out another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. And I'm excited to bring you something that you have to know about for your business. I'm sitting down with Katherine Taylor. She's the founder of Taylor Legal Law Practice. She's been in business for over 15 years. She represents business owners and property owners who want to protect or increase the value of their assets by providing sound legal advice, writing killer contracts, and negotiating on all sorts of solid agreements for her clients. If you've listened to me at all long term, you've heard me say time and again how miserable it is when someone ignores this important aspect of their business. Business, you're going to love this episode. Catherine, thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, I didn't mention you're, you're also a CPA, so you have I some am. serious job security. I mean, you, there's a lot you can do. Uh, job security, perhaps. Uh, co- a couple people have called me type A. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> now, you did mention we were chatting a little bit before we hit record on the podcast. You are calling in from Maryland. What yes. part of Maryland are you in? Uh, I'm actually in a, a small town uh, called Columbia, which is right between Baltimore and Washington. Okay, cool. So you have uh, really a lot of options whenever you want to travel to the big city, or I guess you choose whichever one you want to go to, or where you want to go for the weekend. Or uh, absolutely. I mean, I think we take it for granted being so close to both cities. It's a lot harder to get into DC than it is to Baltimore. Sure. Uh, but yeah, we have a lot of lot of really nice a uh, lot of nice things to do, really close by. Yeah, whenever right. people visit me, I take them to the Walmart Museum, which people don't <laughs> know that that's a thing, but it is a thing. It is the Walmart Museum, and you, wow. you walk through, and it has like Sam Walton's like original truck. And so I show people this, and they're like, "Okay, well, what's next?" And I'm like, "That's kind of our thing. That's <laughs> that's Arkansas. We don't really have much else. So, you know, that's what we do. I guess I don't know." Spent a lot of time in Little Rock years ago. Yeah, that's actually where I'm originally from. That's where I was born born and raised. So it's great, great little town. So, well, I'm excited to have you on the show today. I I really, man, I'm so energized around what you do for a living. And if if I may, I'd love to just go ahead and jump into this. And listening, and I was reading your bio, I was listening to you talk a little bit earlier, and I was thinking about it's, it's, 
you know, right now when it comes to running a business, people get really jazzed around what feels like very sexy things like sales, marketing, branding. And they, I've seen many entrepreneurs, especially new entrepreneurs, who sort of just um, move past some of these other critical things for their business, like having a customer and having contracts and having, you know, as you put it in your, in your bio, these, these really sound, solid agreements to protect you. So like perfect example, uh, I'll be talking to someone who says, well, I have this client who's just, they haven't paid me. They haven't paid me. It's been months. And I say, okay, well, what is, what's in your contract in terms of payment terms? And they typically say, Ooh, I don't, I don't have a contract, you know, or, and also, I, and I don't know how we got to this point, but you know, it's kind of like hipster, I guess, to not have contracts or like, well, I don't do contracts. So talk to me a little bit. I'm sure you probably see this a lot. I'm sure you have to educate people a lot. Talk to me and the listeners a little bit about what you do for a living. All right. Well, first and foremost, I'm a lawyer, but I'm also a business owner. Before I started my own practice, I uh, worked for a large law firm and uh, basically did commercial litigation. Commercial litigation is essentially litigating contractual disputes. So that was a really good kind of uh, basis for, for, you know, actually getting to the point where you're drafting contracts and advising clients as to what should or should not be in a contract. Um, so most of my clients are small business owners. And I like to say that I represent small business owners as opposed to small businesses. And the reason I say that is because I'm a people person and I love the connection that I have to the people I work with, my clients. And without that connection, um, and I don't think you have the trust that you need in that kind of a relationship. And so really what I'm doing, especially when it's a small business, is I'm representing the business owner's interest in their business. And so what is that? It's basically their ownership interest in that entity. Mm -hmm. And one thing I think that many, many business owners don't even think about until there's a problem is how do you make sure that that interest is protected? It's much more important if you have more than one owner in the business. If it's just one owner, it's not as important. But even when there's just one owner, you have to make sure that you're taking care of your own interest in that business, whether it's you know an LLC or whether it's a corporation that you own stock in. Why does it feel like people, I, I apologize, I don't mean to interrupt you. It, it, no, no, go ahead. It feels like this conversation gets so passed over and I don't know if it's like business owners who so they don't feel like maybe they're large enough, like you're supposed to get to a certain size before you get into sort of these kinds of agreements. But even going back to exactly what you just said, two people who go into business together and there's no partnership agreement, there's no operating agreement. And then uh, I see this a lot in startups, for example, where they're really energized around an idea, something they're trying to innovate. They've both put money in. Uh, the business goes for about six to nine months and then one person kind of loses interest and that person comes back and says, hey, I want my share back. I want, I want my investment back. <laughs> and there's, no, there's nothing written down. There's no agreement. It, it feels like this is such a basic to business, and yet it, it isn't as common as you would think it needs to be. Well, here, I have a couple of theories about that. Number one, I think that I've certainly been in business and the practice of law long enough to, to be able to say, 
I used the term startup be before startup was cool. You know? um, <laughs> and even the term entrepreneur, you know, nowadays, when I say nowadays, the last 10, 15 years, you know, the whole idea of a tech startup of a startup is, yes, you're right. Let's grab this idea, run with it, run out and get some venture capital funding, go public, make a gazillion dollars you know, yeah. when we sell our business. <laughs> right. But, you know, 99.99% .99 of the small businesses out there aren't like that. Right. And so, and, and absolutely, what some people fail to do is they do get caught up in the idea. And they also get caught up in the fact that they're very limited in, in the funds that they have, uh, which is obviously an extremely important concern when you're starting a business, when you're bootstrapping your business. Um, they don't really know what they need and they don't know where to go. And so they just kind of start running the business and, and leave behind all that legal stuff and, and you know, hope that they don't need it. And then a lot of times, because business owners are generally very energetic people, they're usually very creative, right? You don't decide to start a business if you're if you don't have a lot of energy and ideas and creativity and if you're not bright on you know some level whether it's an academic or street level so most business owners believe that you know they can do it themselves especially if they don't have the money to afford it so let's just take an example you know if somebody comes to me and says i need um you know a, a detailed employment agreement to bring on um you know a tech uh, a tech person, a computer programmer, and um, you know they wanted to have certain amount of terms and and obviously tailored to their situation. And I give them a quote of okay, and it's going to take several hours of my time. Um, you know, my billing rate here in this area is actually somewhat low for this area, but it's three seventy five an hour. So. You know, it may be less in Arkansas. It's certainly going to be a lot more in a lot of the larger metropolitan areas. And so, you know, a business owner looks at that and like a thousand bucks. I, mm -hmm. you know, I don't have a thousand dollars right now to spend on this. So I'm just going to do it myself, which many times is okay. But when you do get into the situation where you can't collect, where you have a dispute, then that's where, you know, if, if you'd have just spent the money, mm -hmm. then you hopefully could have avoided a lot of these problems. Well, I see people even like, I talked to a business the other day who they, they, someone hadn't paid. I said, well, let me take a look at your contract and see like what you can do. And it was just, it was just mutual advice. We're just sharing back and forth. And um, contract was just really disastrous, incredibly vague, didn't even have the business name in the contract and uh, not even any signatures either. And so I said, well, oh. where, did, where did you, yeah, this isn't a contract, first of all, this is just you stating information. Second of all, where did you find this? And uh, he said, well, I just, I just Googled contract. And so it feels like also people um, right. are looking for, man, that quick fix. I mean, you said it yourself, why would I spend a thousand bucks or 2000 bucks when I could Google it for free? And, and I think this is an especially valuable point to talk about because you've been in business for 15 years, which you've beaten the statistics, you've been in business long enough to understand the long game. And it feels yeah. like business owners in general struggle to think past the six month mark. You know, I'm just going to Google a contract because it helps protect my cash flow right now. And I don't really think about you know, nine months from now when I'm done with this client, how am I going to get paid? What do I do if, they def if they're not going to pay me? Yada, yada. How have you sort of uh, trained yourself to, to see sort of that long-term strategic plan, to have that strategic thinking? 
Uh, is that something that's natural to you? Have you had to develop it over time? Because I, I, think it's, I think it's meaningful to hone in on the fact that you have been in business for a decade and a half. I mean, that's right now, there's so many businesses that are so short-lived. I think it's valuable to really dig into that insight on how you've been able to think about growing your business long-term. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, so um, I would say that, again, like a lot of business owners, I definitely have always had a plan in my mind, but it hasn't already always been written down. Um, and where I've run into a lot of problems is when something isn't written down, whether it's a budget, you know, a, a marketing budget or an IT budget, a personnel budget. When something isn't written down, and it, again, it doesn't have to be any in, in any sort of a fancy uh, format, you know, just uh, you know, even some general guidelines, then what ends up happening is a lot of business owners tend to go and want to purchase the next shiny object that they see, and then you kind of get into this situation where let's take marketing for instance. I mean, that's something that we all struggle with, right? How we're going, what, how we're going to allocate our money on marketing efforts. There's so many things that we could be doing. And, you know, you get a marketing call from one person or another person and you're like, oh my God, this is like going to be what's going to make me, um, you know, go into seven digits next year. Um, <laughs> but, but the problem with that is that it's just, it's not a plan. It's just an activity. And so, and, and I like to, I just actually said this today. I like to compare like running a business to um, making uh, dinner using recipes. Now you can go into the kitchen and say, oh, I think I want to make something and just grab a bunch of stuff and throw stuff together and then kind of go off and, and add something else to it and then switch some things around. And it might turn out okay. It might turn out wonderful, but you don't really know. But if you use a recipe, you kind of know where you're going to get where you're going to get to. Same thing, I think, with the business plan. You know, I think that what 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 happens is, sorry about that. It's okay. <laughs> I'm no obviously problem. working from home. Yeah, yeah. And no I have worries. my uh, trusty guard dog barking <laughs> at the FedEx people. No, you're good. Um, you're good. <laughs> so, so what has helped me over the last, I would say, the last five to 10 years, as opposed to the first five years or so of my business is making sure that I have some sort of plan. Again, whether it's a marketing plan, a, you know, a goal for how, um, what I want my client experience to look like, what I want my marketing efforts to look like, what I want my IT uh, to look like and stick with it so that number one, decisions come easier you know, when you have kind of a plan in place, but also then you can get kind of to the end of a period of time and look back and, and, and know what's worked and what hasn't worked and you'd be able to kind of pinpoint things. Well, and you're talking about diligence, first of all. Right, right. You're also talking about what I like to call, um, <laughs> I say like I've trademarked this, just real work, like the real work that right. comes in running a business and it feels like today, um, I don't know how much you're on social media, social media business ship. Um, when people talk about business, when they talk about marketing, it is presented in a very, um, 
flippant almost kind of like, yeah. Oh, just send, you know, if you just write this kind of email, you'll get more sales. Oh, if you just do this thing, that's so easy. It's I think about like the old, uh, I don't know if they still have this, but like the staples easy button, you know, it's like, you know, that was easy. You know, it's, it feels like social media is inundated right now with so many easy buttons. And it's always, I think, so insightful when I talk to someone who, um, and, and you weren't obviously saying anything against those things, but, but bringing it back to the real work, to the real diligence, rather, rather than sort of like this off the cup, off the cuff, excuse me. And again, I'll use the word that I said earlier, hipster. It's, it's like the, oh, I'm a business owner. Oh, I'm an entrepreneur. And I was talking to somebody who said, yeah, I love being an entrepreneur. I can sleep till two in the afternoon and I can kind of just do whatever I want. And I said, okay, well, that's, that actually just sounds like immaturity. It sounds like you just don't like doing anything. I mean, but, but, but that's kind of like, I don't, and I don't like to say like we're at war with, but it feels like sometimes, and I'm sure you get this a lot since you work with small business owners, it feels like when I talk to small business owners, sometimes I'm having to sort of um, retrain their thinking a little bit to get away from borrowing your words in a really common word in the, shine, in the startup world, shiny right. object syndrome. Oh, that looks really cool. Oh, that's really fun. Oh, I really want to put my energy and creativity into that. Um, it feels like there's quite a bit of... Um, really back and forth in terms of ideologies of, of getting people away from the sexiness and getting them back towards understanding really just business basics. Hey, the real work that has to happen to run your business. Yes. And the real work is if you're a small, small business owner and you don't have uh, departments, you know, department heads running your various divisions, then you're going to base, basically be doing a little bit of everything. And it's easy to get lost in the weeds and you really kind of have to stand, you know, stand tall above those weeds and make sure you kind of know where you're going and, and stay the course. That's, I think, um, it's funny, you said you have a, uh, uh, a saying, I have a, a saying that I, I, I like to tell business owners who have come to me and they're really just getting started and they're, you know, fretting about the fact that the first year they haven't really paid themselves. <laughs> and um, I mean, I think that I think a lot of business owners think that's so bizarre that they haven't paid themselves the first year. And I'm like, no, I think that's probably most business owners. Oh, yeah. Um, but so uh, I like to use this uh, metaphor that's used in the gardening realm um, when you plant ivy. It's the first year it sleeps, the second year it creeps, and the third year it leaps. And I've told that, uh, I, you know, I've basically recited that phrase to a number of small business owners, and they're just like, wow, yeah, that's really what it was like for me. Or if they're just in their first year, it gives them a little bit of hope, right? The next year, they're going to see some progress. And then almost to a person, I've seen that the third year just seems to be the year when they finally are able to breathe and say, Whew, wow, you know what, this really might be a success. Mm. Um, but it takes a long time. You're not going to, you're not going to feel like a success early on. I don't think necessarily. Mm. I mean, you're going to feel little successes, you know, you get a big contract, you get a big sale. Um, but generally, you're going to have a lot of frustrations. And, um, and those successes are going to have to be or more few and far between, I think, in the in the early years. That's well, so it, you have to persevere and stay the course. I, I think you're giving an authentic perspective that um, it, 
I think right now it's hard to be a business owner because of, of how prolific social media is. Absolutely. I, I don't know if you see this, but I, I see so many ads. I see so many posts of people who they're disingenuous on the journey. And so they say things like, um, just borrowing like a marketing and an obnoxious marketing ad, um, how I went from $0 to seven figures in six months. Right. And, and, and so the aspiring business owner who maybe they're at the end of year one, maybe they started their business, you know, God bless them in March at the start of coronavirus. Uh, and so they're at the end of maybe six months and they're thinking, what's wrong with me? Like, what am I doing wrong? Well, how am I missing this? And it, it almost feels like if I could put a megaphone on what you just said to, because it is hope to realize, okay, I, I'm not broken as a business owner. It's just that this thing takes a lot longer than we think it does. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's always something that's going to happen that, you know, just kind of throw a wrench into your plans. And um, you got to have to just be aware that things are going to happen and that you just need to, again, you need to stay the course. I, um, I do a little running, like I, uh, I think I'd mentioned to you in an email before, before we, uh, gone on uh, on the podcast and um i've never been a fast runner at all and i've never really run really long distances but a couple of years ago actually five years ago i decided to run a half marathon and it was all about the training and you know you can't go out and do that kind of a thing by starting two weeks prior and just saying, I'm going to go give it my all. You have to give it plenty of time. And each day you're doing something that together with all those other things that you do kind of add up to you being able to be on that starting line on October 10th and, and running, you know, those 13 miles and people who run shorter distances or longer distances know the same thing or uh, frankly, you know, engage in any sort of sport like that. But it's all about just sticking with it and staying the course and knowing that if you have a bad day, hopefully the next day is going to be better. And um, all the good days hopefully are going to add up and um, over outweigh all the bad days. Um, Let me, let me ask you something. How how does someone, how does someone grow into that mindset? Cause you're, you're, you're talking about, I mentioned the word diligence. You're also talking about perseverance. You're talking about, you know, stay the course, which it, Mm -hmm. it feels like it takes sort of like this appetite and this patience for, you know, where you want to go, especially on those really hard days or frankly, a hard month when you're looking at the P&L or the bank statement or what have you, you're like, wow, I, I am broke. How does someone grow into that person who has the tenacity to stick with it and isn't so mesmerized by, you know, the social media uh, story, um, the person who isn't, lost in the weeds on, um, you know, wow, I'm a business owner. This is so great. This is so amazing. Like how does someone become that person if they're not today where they can stay the course, they can dig their heels in and really be patient for the process? So I've done a lot of thinking along those lines because there's, there have been times when I've, you know, jokingly said, 
to my husband or my daughters, I'm going to go look for a job (laughs) 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 on um, usajobs.com or on, you know, lawjobs.com. I think what you have to do is keep remembering why you're doing what you're doing. With me, it might be something totally different than why you're doing what you're doing. For me, I love a challenge. I love autonomy. Uh, I'm a very independent. And um, I'm not going to say I have a hard time with authority, but I have a hard time with authority that's asserted for no other reason but to assert authority. Like, like ego. So, e- ego. Ego. Playing correct. the ego card, sort of. Correct. Not your exactly. ego. I mean, someone using their ego to make a decision. Exactly. Exactly. And so when I think of all those things and, you know, if it's somebody who is, is um, running a cupcake shop because they love cooking and, and, and creating or somebody who is a psychologist or, you know, creating a product that they really believe in, that is what keeps you going. It's not the numbers. You know, it's not the the sale that you just made. It's that inner uh, belief that you're doing what you really want to be doing. And, you know, some people call it passion. Some people call it purpose. You know, I don't really know that that's really what it is, but um, it's a lot of that. It's kind of all that put together. Mm. And so at the end of the day, you know, when you say, well, what are my alternatives you know, I could go get that job, right? Um, I think that's what makes you stick with it. It's because you really know why you're doing what you're doing. It's I think it's powerful when you have that clarity on, you know, why right. why am I on this earth? Why do I exist? What do I do? I, I think what I empathize with people over and it's it's typically younger people, but I was talking to someone the other day, this wasn't the day, this was actually several months ago, and he was feeling pretty um uh, disillusioned with his job, like many people are actually right now during Absolutely. COVID. They're, they're seeing how their, their bosses are maybe treating them or their value in the company for better or worse. And um, so he was feeling particularly disillusioned in his job. And I said, what do, you, what do you like to do? Like, what are you passionate about? And he said, I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know what I'm, and I said, well, what are even your hobbies? He said, I, I don't even know. I don't know what I do. I just kind of work, you know? And it feels like, um, which it's very sad to hear that, but it doesn't feel like that's totally uncommon that when you talk about that burning, uh, whether it's passion, purpose, whatever the word is, that thing that is so intrinsic to your identity, how did you figure out what that was for you? Because you're talking about it now so clearly, like I, I know these one, two, three about me. This is why I needed to go do this. How did you get to that point? Because I think that's a valuable insight for someone listening right now who's thinking, man, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> and, they, and it could be any age. They could be 20. They could be 30. They could be 40 or 50. They could be at the end of a career still thinking, man, I don't, I don't know if I've ever really done what drives me. How did you get to that moment of clarity? Well, it didn't just happen overnight. So as I stated at the beginning, I worked for uh, a number of years at a large law firm in Baltimore city. Um, you know, basically, uh, crazy hours. I realized that's not what I wanted in my life going forward. 
And um, even though I was on partner track and whatnot, I left to go work for local government. That was a great move at the time. It was a great lifestyle choice. But after about 10 years there in the law, legal office of the local government here in Howard County, I was really bored. Um, and I really got to the point where I felt that all the people around me, not so much the lawyers in the office, but so many of the other people working in, you know, a lot of the, the jobs, the local government jobs were literally, and I'm serious, literally counting their days to retirement. Like, I can't deal with that mindset. And so I then began wondering what is going to keep me challenged. And, you know, I like to have my mind busy. I like to be doing something. I like to feel like I'm creating something. And so I decided I want, wanted to run a business. I wanted to own a business. And I really started thinking about various businesses. I really like gardening. Uh, I thought, you know, a landscaping company. I could go get some landscaping credentials, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so finally, I just decided, you know what? I'm a lawyer. I know law, so I can run that kind of a business. And, and that's the way I approach my practice is really as a business first um, and maybe, I don't know, maybe that's what's uh, kind of gotten me there because I, I don't believe that my passion really lies in the law per se. <laughs> <laughs> I really think it's just in the, in the challenge and, um, you know, kind of the excitement of, of creating something yourself and of uh, always having something new to do. Yeah, you, you know what's interesting about what you're saying? It actually reminds me of a conversation I had with someone, this would have been like two years ago, and it was someone wanting to start a business. And they were like, well, I could do this, I could do this, I could do this. And I remember saying, it's, it's really not the what that matters, it's the why. Like, why are you wanting yes. to? The what, Absolutely. I mean, you can do five or 10 different things. And I'd totally forgotten about that conversation until right now as I'm listening to you, I love the value of what you're saying. You know, you could have done landscaping, you could have done law. I mean, there, there, were, there were a handful of options, but it, it was the why that drove Correct. you, not like, exactly. the, oh, I just have to be in law. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because frankly, when I went to law school, when I decided to go to law school, it's after I'd been out of undergraduate a, a few years and I decided, oh, I want to go back to school and, you know, was told, well, you could get an MBA in two years and you can get a law degree in three years. I'm like, Hey, let's do the three-year plan. Yeah. I mean, it was really that type of a, a decision. And so I've always been much more, you know, practical minded and not, um, you know, such an idealist, but, um, uh, but I think somebody running a business really has to be practical minded. Yeah. And it, and something else I like too about us, we're just, we're running out of time. So I, I want to make sure okay. I get to one other thing that I wanted to bring up. Absolutely. Um, just as I'm listening to you, you know, I think what I like about you as well is you, you're talking about sort of marrying the personal drive, the personal energy. What do I want out of life with genuinely serving your customers well? And I'm tying those two things together because when I first was pointing out, you've been in business for 15 years you made the comment, you know, I really believe, and obviously I'm not quoting perfectly, but really believe in the value of relationships. I really believe in serving my clients well. And again, this, this, it's so funny how these, these concepts come up that feel so simple. And yet time and again, I meet business owners who customers are really kind of in the back of their minds. Uh, they're in, the, they're sort of a means to the end in terms of, 
you know, getting to seven figures or whatever the number is. Um, I really like this concept of 1000 true fans of, of building deep, sincere relationships with your clients so that they want to keep doing business with you. Absolutely. Talk to me more about your approach with your clients and, you know, your mindset when you're serving someone, what does that look like for you? So, um, I really like to have that relationship and that connection, um, and, and the trust. I, I really, my kids used to say, you know, when we go on vacation, mom, you talk to everybody, you know, you have to ask their life story. Why do you have to do that? And because I'm truly interested in people, you know, I just love hearing people's stories. And so I think that I get to do that. I get to do that in my work. And, and frankly, I have to do that because I have to get to know somebody's business. I have to know what really makes them tick because, you know, if all they're looking for is the bottom line, then I might advise something different than, you know, if they were looking for something else, if they had some other purpose or goal, goal in mind. Um, but you know, I, I do a whole lot of work to make sure that clients know that I'm really genuinely, genuinely interested in, in, in them and their business. And that that's really my concern when I'm working with them. It's not just, okay, am I going to make the 375 an hour? What, you know, whatever it is. Um, and, and I, and I, I do believe that the people I work with understand that and know it, you know, and, and I like to tell people, listen, whenever, even if I just do a small matter, work on a small matter or project for you, you're always my client. Come to me if you have a question, you know, if you, if you even want to know if you need a lawyer for something, come to me, call me, I'm, I'm that resource. I'm there for you. And so going back to the beginning, um, you know, we talked, I talked about how I really enjoy helping people. I really enjoy that. And so because that comes naturally and that's part of what my business is about is helping people, then that's like, it's like a really good fit, I guess. Um, it, it sounds like you do a great job also balancing um, helping people and still running a business. And what I mean by that is I, yes. I often, <laughs> I see people on two sides uh, where they are, you know, Hey, my rate's three seventy five an hour. Uh, I, you know, that's really, we have a very impersonal relationship, you know, pay me if you want me to even talk to you. It's kind of ego driven actually a little bit. And then on the flip side, I meet these, these poor people who they, they do everything because they're just so desperate for a client. Maybe they do everything for someone. And it's like, Hey, you know what, you know, this first one, let's just have it be free. You know, I just want you to really like me or enjoy working with me. And neither one of those are sustainable for a long-term business. I right. like I like listening to you because it feels like you've you've sort of found that balance of being all about your customers and having the um, personal I don't know what the word is it's like a personal pride a personal self respect maybe even of this is my business and this is what I cost and this is what it looks like and you know if you want to do this kind of work this is what it's going to be a thousand or two dollars I mean. Um, I like that about you. And I don't think that's something that's natural for a lot of business owners. Well, certainly the, uh, the idea of talking about money is not natural. I mean, in a service, when you're in a service profession, it's really hard to have that money discussion and you get better with it over time. And so, you know, any 
anybody listening, you know, on this podcast, if you're wondering, you know, why it's so uncomfortable for you to talk about prices. I mean, you know, it's one thing if you've got a storefront and, and prices are posted, but if you're having a one-on-one conversation with a potential client, and you're telling them, yes, it's going to cost you $5,000, really, really hard conversation to have. But at the end of the day, remember, you've got to pay your bills too. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, you know, they wouldn't expect, or you wouldn't expect, you know, if they're a business that let's say the landscaping business for them to come, um, put a, a beautiful patio in your yard and charge you half price because you're a nice person, not at all. And so you have to get comfortable kind of almost separating that money issue from the service issue. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, it's still not comfortable to me. Um, I completely comfortable, but it's more, com- you know, more comfortable talking about it than, you know, than I was certainly mm-hmm. 10 years ago. Uh, but it's just something you get better with over time. Yeah. I think that's great advice. Catherine, it's been great having you on the podcast. Today. Yeah. It's been great talking to you too. Tell the listeners, what can they do to connect with you? If they want to follow up with you, if they want to learn more about you, um, what are some things that they can do? Uh, the best thing to do is to go to my website, taylorlegal.com, or you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Catherine Taylor or Taylor Legal. And um, if you are a business owner, I've got a YouTube uh, channel that, um, you know, where I post these one and two minute uh, blurbs on, you know, frequently asked questions, issues that you might run into as a, as a business owner, kind of the same things I would tell a client if the client called me and we had a two or three minute call. Um, and some of them uh, I think can be pretty handy. Yeah. Well, uh, I will put those links uh, down in the episode description below. Okay, uh, cool. Catherine, again, it's been such Thanks. a pleasure. Thank you for joining me today. Yes. Thank you too. Hey, for the listeners, be sure if you've never checked out the podcast before, what the heck are you waiting on? Click that subscribe button so we can keep bringing you good advice wherever you are, wherever you're listening. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, definitely leave us a five-star review. really helps us to continue to get great traction on the podcast, again, so we can keep bringing good advice for our listeners. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Make sure you check out Katherine Taylor at Taylor Legal Law Practice and check her out on LinkedIn. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you later. See ya.